Glossop Record Club. So that music that you've been, well, I don't know whether you've been listening to it or not, tolerating. <laughs> She'd been coming in. That was, uh, well, just a little bit more than the top ten from this week in 1976. So Mississippi by Pussycat was number one. This is, so we're going back 40 years this month, uh, and that was the musical climate into which uh, punk uh, was unleashed, uh, which was also in October 1976. And I think that, you know, hearing that music then uh, is a good reason why uh, the record that I'm going to play now, why we needed this record. Is she really going out with him? So that was uh, you know, officially recognised, I think now, I think you probably all know, is the first British punk single uh, released in October 76. But our story tonight begins a few months earlier than that, and uh, we have a guest here to tell us all about it, because he's written a book about it. Uh, please give a warm welcome to David Nolan. Cheers, thank you very much. We are going back even further... Uh, from October 1976. Further back than June 1976, we're actually going back to February 1976, and that's where our story actually starts. Two students at Bolton Technical College, February 1976, and they're looking through the NME, and they see an article in the NME, these two lads. Don't look over your shoulder, but the Sex Pistols are coming. And it mentions the Stooges. And it mentions, we're not into music, we're into chaos. Can you imagine now, can you imagine now that just on the basis of reading those words, chaos, stooges, music, sex pistols, these two lads borrowed a car, drove down to London, and they literally went, excuse me, do you know where we can find sex pistols? They did. They tried to find the Sex Pistols, and they went to the enemy, and they pointed them down the King's Road. They found the sex shop, Malcolm McLaren's sex shop, on the King's Road, and found the Sex Pistols in their borrowed car from Bolton. They spent the weekend with the Sex Pistols, and saw them twice, and said to Malcolm McLaren, if we could organise a gig, would the Sex Pistols come up to Manchester to play? And Malcolm McLaren said, yeah, all right. So, two lads, Howard and Pete, go back up to their college and say to the Bolton Tech, can the, this band, the Sex Pistols, play here? And Bolton Tech said, no. <laughs> Thus, cutting themselves out of a place in rock history. The second place they tried was a little theatre up above the Free Trade Hall, called the Lesser Free Trade Hall. And the Lesser Free Trade Hall didn't give a monkeys who played there, quite frankly. So they, they said yes. So they booked the gig for June the 4th, 1976, for Sex Pistols to play. And they started making some tickets up. And the ticket said Sex Pistols plus Buscocks. Because that was, who, that, that was their band. Howard and Pete's band were now called Buscocks. Who did actually play at Bolton Tech. 1st of April, 1976. Three numbers in, they got booted off. 
Howard and Pete realised that they weren't going to be ready to play this gig. And, given that they were going to charge 50p, they had to have another band on. So Howard cast around. Who do I know who plays in a band? And he remembered his mate Jeff, who used to work with him at Beehive Mills in Bolton on a summer job. And Jeff played in a band. Jeff played in the second biggest band in Bolton. The biggest band in Bolton at that time were called Iron Maiden. Yeah. Thank you very much. Is it going to be heckling all the way through tonight, is it? Is that, is that the way we're going to play it, yeah? Okay. Fine, I got your number. We're called Iron Maiden. This was the second biggest band, and they were called Solstice. So we know they were there. We know that Solstice were at this gig. The question is, who else was there? And that's the thing that's been um, troubling people for some time. It's certainly been troubling me for a very, very long time. Because although I'm a music writer by trade, um, I used to be like a crime reporter, uh, you, know, uh, you know, a proper journalist. And um, any other story, if there was a serious incident had happened, you wouldn't just be allowed to make up who was there and who wasn't there and what had happened and what, what wouldn't have happened. You had to find everybody and track people down. So I thought, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to find out exactly who was there. I know there was 28 tickets sold because I went into the library and found the dockets. 28 tickets sold, a couple of hangers on, some people from London, solstices and their girlfriends, this, that and the other. Let's say 40-odd, for the sake of argument. But that is the audience. That is, that is what all the fuss is about all these years. Who was there and who wasn't there. And it's caused many an argument. Thousands and thousands of people have claimed that they were at this gig. You can probably get, you know, how many people are here tonight? About 40, 50 people here tonight, something like that. In any group of Mancunians and thereabouts, if you have about 40, 50 people of a certain age, no offence, you can guarantee that someone will claim that they were at Sex Pistols, June the 4th, 1976. Someone will claim. Let's try it out. Little, little social experiment. Is there anybody here who was at the Sex Pistols on June the 4th, 1976? Told ya! <laughs> Bloody told ya! <laughs> Ian, what's your name? <laughs> Is it? Well done. Fantastic. Are you going to come up and join me? Are your pins alright? This is Ian Moss, ladies and gentlemen. Surprise guest for the evening. Now, Ian, so I've set the scene. Uh, Solstice are playing. Uh, steady, come on, go at my pace. Uh, pistols are all ready. Why were you there? Why did you go that night? What brought you to the Lesser Free Trade Hall? I was there because I'd been searching for this band in my own way, the way that Peter and Howard had searched for them. I'd read the same little snippets in the music press, all the sort of precursors of that. I'd been to see Lou Reed, I'd been to see John Cale, Nico, I'd seen Dr. Feelgood, I'd seen Kilburn and the High Roads, all these <coughs> things that pointed in that direction but weren't of my generation, really. And I had to be there. Do you remember what you were wearing that night, in? I was wearing a beige suit and suede shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I looked like Kevin Ayres. <laughs> So, Solstice. Let's talk about Solstice first of all. Tell me about Solstice. Uh, they were vile. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Come on. 
Come on. They were, they were, they were, the reason I was there was because I loathed bands like Solstice and I loathed Mississippi by, by Pussycat and things like that. Um, no, they were awful. They played the sort of um, ashtrays of prog rock. They were awful. They played Nantucky Sleigh Ride by Mountain. I think, for me, one of the most interesting parts of this story is, is that gap. Solstice come off stage and actually they go for a wander and they, they actually break in to the, uh, the main hall, the main free trade hall bit and they're standing on the stage going, one day we'll be playing here. One day Iron Maiden will be supporting us. <laughs> Didn't happen. Um, it's that gap between Solstice and the Pistols. And the fact that it was Solstice and it was this band even uh, maybe made it even more shocking and surprising what came next. Yeah, it set the scene because you were unprepared and Solstice put that many doubts in my mind because I thought, if they've got these supporting them, are these just going to be a band in trendier clothes but playing that rock music? And I was on the verge of leaving and then decided to give it two or three songs, give them a chance, and if it was no good, I'd rescue me Friday night and go to the pub. And? <laughs> the Sex Pistols walked on, and it was like electric shock. They just looked so amazing. They carried themselves so amazingly. They, all the orthodoxy, there was no, you know, hello Manchester and wow and all this. Um, they, I just, I connected before they played a note, and then when they started playing, it was the most exciting feeling that I've probably ever had in my life. <laughs> it was amazing. Throughout the gig, there was nobody stood up at all. Everybody was in the seats, except for me. Because after three or four songs jerking around in the seat, I got up and jumped around very excitedly. And it was only after they'd left the stage and came back for an encore that then everybody joined me. And John the Postman at that point started shouting the names of 60s punk bands, Standells and Shadows of Night at Johnny Rotten. And he's saying, oh, they're all right, they're all right. And then somebody shouted, Eddie and the Hot Rods. <laughs> and he said, our imitators. <laughs> so, now then, question is, how important is this gig? To, to me, it, it changed my life, so it's vitally important. It, um, it was the start of giving me a focus and a belief system, if you, if you like. Um, it was amazingly important. Um, to music, it, it changed everything. So it was vitally important. It wasn't until hip-hop that anything comparable happened that's you know that's probably rock and roll punk hip-hop last question before i get to sit down because you're too good um <laughs> what about what about manchester about changing manchester it changed manchester in every way it changed manchester for the better it changed manchester physically because manchester for some reason seized and the possibilities 
of punk. Um, in no small part to, to Tony Wilson, even though he wasn't there. Um, <laughs> but his, his tireless sort of cheerleading for Manchester and the fact that these bands sprung up in Manchester made Manchester desirable to people from all over the country. So you got a huge influx of students and things like that. You got intelligentsia. You got <sighs> things happened. Manchester became cool and with it came a confidence and from that confidence came the rebuilding of Manchester because in 1976 Manchester like a lot of this country was an absolute slum and so it physically changed Manchester physically Ian Moss, thank you. We've got that gag down to a fine art now. <laughs> oh, was anybody here from the free, was at the free trade hall? Yeah, we've done it. We've done it about 15 years. We've been doing that gag now. Fantastic. But it is, it is a change thing. And it, it, here's, a, here's a parlour game for you to play. Um, no free trade hall, no joy division. No joy division, no love will tear us apart. No love will tear us apart, no money to pay for the Hacienda. No Hacienda, no Manchester. It's like a game, a game that you can play. No free trade all, no buzzcocks, no independent record system, no Green Day, no Nirvana. God, Kurt, Kurt Cobain loved the buzzcocks. Look, I got him to support him in America. Um, no less free trade all, no Smiths, no Morrissey and Ma. No free trade all, no new order. No free trade all, no magazine. There's a band. What a band, magazine, fantastic. No magazine. So we can see these ripple effects that have come out. Now, my interest in this comes from a few years hence, 1981, and I started work in 1981. I was just talking about it before with my brother-in-law. Um, I, I, I got a job as a trainee reporter uh, as a teenager and I got working with a photographer and this was in 1981 so this is just five years after 1976 but everybody knew about this gig everybody understood what it meant and uh, this photographer says to me called Peter Oldham and he said uh, what kind of music do you like just trying to make conversation to me because I was a kid and I said I like punk I like new wave and I like stuff like that and uh, he said oh right you like punk <coughs> I was at uh, both of the uh, Sex Pistols gigs in 1976 at the Free Trade Hall. Where you now? <laughs> yeah, I was. Here's my ticket from the first gig, and here's some photographs I took at the second gig. <laughs> and he did. He brought them in and showed me. And I was only in uh, it was 1981, and I said to him, that wouldn't it be great if we could actually sort this out? If we could actually find everybody who was at the gig? 25 years later, I'm working at Granada, and I get to make a documentary about it, and get to make a book about it as well, <clears throat> and start tracking people down. But the great thing about this story is, is it changes all the time. As part of this documentary, as part of this story, I interviewed Tony Wilson about um, his role in this story. And actually, and Ian's right, it, Tony Wilson's job was of um, like a guy outside the tent, banging the drum saying, roll up, roll up. What you're about to see behind this tent is the greatest thing you'll ever see in your life. 
it's the greatest thing you'll ever hear in your life. Well, actually, it's probably like Happy Monday's second album. But that's not the point. Tony's job was to bang the drum and to tell everybody how fantastic everybody was. So I interviewed Tony Wilson about this, and I put it to him that of all the people I tracked down so far, I hadn't found anybody who says he was there. Bear in mind, at this time, Tony Wilson was so famous, we only had three telly channels, and he was on telly every single night. If, if it would be like Tony Wilson walking in here now and no one recognize him. So he was like, no, 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 darling, darling, no, no, nonsense, nonsense. People always say that. People are always like that, aren't they? No, 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 of course I was there. It was an epiphany. Ah, oh, it was beautiful. Ah, oh, it was great, fantastic. Ah, oh, lovely. That's what he said. And then the book came out. The, the, the new uh, second edition of the book came out. And Tony had me on his program. He had a program on uh, Radio Manchester on Saturday mornings where he had interesting people. And Tony invited me on to talk about the book, which he did. He was really, really supportive, Tony. Very, very supportive. And he had me on to talk about the book. And during our chat, he had to cut to a uh, track of traffic and travel. And I'm all right swearing, aren't I? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's a Tony Wilson story. Of course I am. <laughs> and he went, and oh now, yes, the uh, traffic and travel. Yes, here we go. Yes, traffic and travel. Yes. And he cut to the traffic and travel. And he leaned over to me and he said, and he was a big guy, Tony Wilson. I'm fairly petite. He was massive to me. And he leant over to me during the traffic and travel. And he said to me, you said I wasn't there in the book, didn't you? Fucking snide. <laughs> and David Nolan's back with us now to talk about I swear I was there. And he never mentioned it again. <laughs> but Tony would get very, 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 very angry with people if they said he wasn't there. Now, unfortunately for Tony, Tony was a journalist. First, first and foremost, Tony was a journalist. And it never occurred to him that another journalist would investigate what he said and find out that he wasn't telling the truth. So, let's be clear about this. The lads who took the money on the door say Tony wasn't there. Howard says Tony wasn't there. Peter Oak says Tony wasn't there. Everybody says Tony wasn't there. Tony says, no, 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 darling, 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 darling. No, no, no. I was there. I couldn't make it for the second one. Um, I, I couldn't make it. Um, I was on holiday. It's in the diary. Love, darling. Look, less. Yes, love. It's in the diary. I wasn't there for the second. I found 35 people who saw him at the second gig. I found the person who gave him a lift to the, <laughs> to the second gig. But in a sense, it's part of the fun. You know, let's go through who, Ian, you can help me out here just in case. Who, who was there, okay? Peter Hook, Bernard Sumner, Bernard Sumner's girlfriend, Sue, um, John Berry, this is a group of them from Salford, um, Crazy Tony, their mate, group of John the Postman's mates, he was all there. There is uh, Morrissey. There is Ian, there's my mate Peter Oldham, there's a few odds and sods of folks just curious, this, that and the other. There's a surprising amount of women there actually as well. Uh, a young girl called Dawn and rather inconveniently, and uh, do you know what, I, I should be annoyed about this but I'm not, I love it. There's a guy called Alan Hempsall. I don't know if anyone knows the name Alan Hempsall. Alan is the lead singer of Crispy Ambulance. And Alan would have been barely 16. He would have been late 15. 15 he would have been still. And Alan says he was at the gig. 
and a nicer man if you ever get a chance to have a chat with Alan Hamsall do because he's the nicest man you can come across absolutely and, he's, and his memory of the gig is absolutely razor sharp he remembers Nantucket Sleigh Ride and he even remembers that the uh, bass player of Solstice had a love bite on his neck <laughs> now that's the kind of attention to detail I like <laughs> a love bite on his neck fantastic um, there's one other thing that Alan Hempsall remembers absolutely clearly speaking to Tony Wilson uh, <laughs> we had it all sorted out Alan <laughs> and you've come along and spoiled it but that's part of the fun if Alan was here tonight he would swear blind that he spoke to Tony Wilson even though I've tracked down everybody else in the audience who swear blind that Tony wasn't there but that's part of the fun that really is part of the fun so the book, the, um, this is a new version of I Swear I Was There, which came out uh, about two months ago, three months ago. Um, new cover, new pictures, new people that we've tracked down. Uh, uh, John Marr from the Buscocks, uh, who was only 16 when he played at the gig. He played at the second gig when Buscocks played. He was only 16, and it was the first gig he'd ever been to. And he was on stage supporting the Pistols. Amazing. Got Slaughter and the Dogs in it. I love Slaughter and the Dogs. Come on, who, loves, who, like, who doesn't love Slaughter and the Dogs? Come on, there's something wrong with you. Come on, Ian. Come on, you just charmed everybody. Now you spoilt it. But Slaughter and the Dogs, people have a go at them saying, oh, they're just a glam rock band from Withenshaw. Well, you know, they wasn't everybody. You know, it wasn't everybody. As we heard from the tape earlier on, you know, there's plenty of people who changed, you know, changed horses pretty damn quickly in 1976. So they're in there. All the people involved in the TV show are in there. Uh, Howard's in there, Pete's in there, Glenn Matlock's in there. They're all in there. I've done it. I've cracked it, ladies and gentlemen. I've finally solved the greatest mystery in rock and roll, which is who was at the Sex Pistols June the 4th, 1976. Cracked it. Week after the book comes out, three people contact me saying, Oh, I was there. So the quest continues. So, and so let's make a date, shall we, for 2026. <laughs> And I'll come back here with the 50th anniversary edition <laughs> and I'll come and talk to you about it, you know, because it will, we will, we will still be talking about this because um, it's a great story. It's a, it's, it, and people, people love it, people are fascinated by it and the fact that you can, we can still just about reach out and we can still see photographs, we can still hear audio, we can find little bits of treasures of memories and this, that and the other, uh, is fantastic. And there's always something new that, that, that turns up, there's always something different that turns up. My favourite one in, this, in the new bit is, there was a big row between... Slaughter the Dogs and Buscocks. Buscocks hated Slaughter and the Dogs. Slaughter and the Dogs hated Buscocks. And Slaughter and the Dogs had some posters made up. And these posters for the second gig, it said, Slaughter and the Dogs! Plus Sex Pistols. <laughs> and uh, there's always been a, a row between Buscocks and Slaughter and the Dogs about why they never mentioned Buscocks uh, on the posters. And I interviewed Howard Bates, who was the bass player in uh, Slaughter and Dogs, tracked him down, he lives down south now, and I said to him, come on, you know, how, why didn't you mention Buzzcocks on the posters? And he said, what are you talking about? We did. It says, plus support. <laughs> so yeah, still, even all these, they're still niggling away at each other. Absolutely fantastic. Thanks very much for listening. Take it easy. Thank you.